So this morning, we are in week three of a series that we've been calling Developing Habits That Will Change Your Life. Now, I don't know about you, but I think the stuff that uh, we're talking about is pretty important stuff in the life of a believer. I, I actually believe that if we do these things, that it'll change our lives. And, and I love the way you guys have responded to the series so far. Um, if you missed it, here's the thesis of the series. This is where we're at. That at the end of your life, who you are is going to be based on the commitments that you make and the habits that you develop. Can I get an amen? amen. Right. So, and developing habits is not unusual. If you're going to develop intellectually, we've talked about, you have to get some study habits or some study skills, right? If you're going to develop socially for that area of your life, you have to develop some people skills. Um, and if you're going to develop emotionally and learn how to deal with your feelings, your, your good feelings and your bad feelings, you've got to learn to have some process skills and some habits and how to relate to one another. If you're going to develop physically, you have to have some nutrition habits and some workout habits. And last but not least, we've been talking about if you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to have some habits that will help you get closer to God. And so we've been, we've been talking about, we've been using ha this habits acrostic. And the letter H, week one, was learning about how to hang out with God, how to spend time with Him, just to have a time where you, you are in His presence and you, and you get to know Him better. It's, it's not, you know, go to church on Sunday, you know, or, five, or just five minutes in the morning, you know, get out of bed and I have my quiet time and I'm done. It's, you know, but you're developing the habit of spending time with the creator of the universe. So we talked about that week one, what it means to be to, 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 for us to hang out with God, building a strength to that relationship. And the A last week was attending church, but if you were here, the conversation was so much more than just counting sheep or getting you know, behinds in seats. That's not what that week is about. It's, it's my sword is for the enemy. And my shield is for my brother, if you remember that. Um, so we're for each other. The Spartan credo, right? It's standing and striving together to get in the game and not just to sit on the sidelines, if you remember. And so the B today is all about being generous. And to be honest with you, this might be the habit that I've been the least excited to teach, um, but maybe the most excited for us to develop. And the least excited to teach because we know a lot of people have this perception, oh, of course, the pastor, the church is going to get all excited to talk about money. Let's just pass the offering plate one more time, right? And so with that in mind, let me just, uh, you know, calm your fears. We're not going to take another offering after this is done. Um, you know, or, you know, you might have a little apprehension even bringing up the subject, but I really hope you know that we're not all about the Benjamins at Destiny. We're not. You've probably even heard us say before, don't feel the pressure to give. It's, it's not the name of the game for us. It's just not. But a lot of times people use money as an excuse. Say, well, we don't go to church because all they do is they talk about money. And I promise you, that's, that's, that's not true around here. As a matter of fact, the reason I said I'm, I'm least excited about teaching this is the perception of that it's all about money. That, 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 that's, that's what it's all about. But I'm most excited about this because I really feel like if we develop this habit of tithing, of giving back to God, that this habit will follow you for the rest of your life and it'll change your life. I've experienced it personally and I know several others have testified of his goodness um, through the act of giving. So 
let's think about the, the world's view of money versus God's view of money. If you're following along, you can follow along on the backside of your bulletins this morning. Um, there's a lot of scripture that we're going to go through this morning. In our, in our world, though, people think money is everything. And there's a lot of enthusiasm surrounding money. You know, in, in, in my wallet, you know, I have, uh, let's see how much money I have here. Not as much money as I had uh, last night or the day before because I have kids. <laughs> I have $12, so not very much left. <laughs> but, um, you know, if I were to say that I were to give that, those $12 to somebody here this morning, would there be anybody interested in getting $12 here this morning? Anybody? Okay. Okay. So um, I'm going to ask, um, if you're bold enough, I'm going to ask you to come up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you why I should give it to you. Um, so uh, <laughs> anybody bold enough to tell me? Okay, Royce, come on up or stand up. Just say it really loud. I'm looking for a very specific answer. And if you don't, and, if, and you, can't, you can't have looked at my notes, you haven't looked at my notes, right? <laughs> say it loud. Yeah, say it loud. Because you're a hard worker. That's a good answer. Is that what I was looking for? You can sit down. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. Oh, that is, that is good. That is good. That is being generous. That was not the answer. I was getting... <laughs> that was not the answer. I guess I'm, I'm keeping this for second service, but don't tell them, okay? Don't give, don't give the answer away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that for just a little bit longer, and I'll tell you the answer that I was looking for. Good job, though, guys. Um, good answers. So um, it's funny, you know, when I say that I've got money, even though I don't have a lot of money in my room, I don't carry cash anymore. Anybody else who just always do the card, that's kind of the way I do it now. But it's, you know, when I say I've got, you know, cash to hand out, you know, people will raise their hand, right? And you know, what if I said, or what if I said, you know, even, even out in the public, you know, I have a word from God to give out. How many would want it? You know, in this house, I think we're hungry for the word of God. We want it. We would raise our hands. Um, I love that, that that's the culture that's in here. That's it's something that we want. If we were to say that outside of this space, you know, what do you think would happen? People might think, you know, well, I should want that. I think it's something that I, I probably should want to go for. And they might say yes. But for some reason, when you flash a wad of dough, people get excited about that, right? They'll sit up and say, go to Destiny. They're waving money from the pulpit, right? This place would be packed. But, you know, if we say go to Destiny, they're giving out a word from God. It's a little bit different turnout. There's a little bit different perspective there. So why is money such a big deal I think it's because we've been sold lies that money is more valuable than anything else. And we've, we've come to believe that. Even more valuable than obeying God and following Him. So I want to give you what the world says about money and what God says. So the world's way says money is really, 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 really important. Money is important because I can buy things, right? I can pay for things. You buy things, and what happens to those things like two years later, right? They wind up in the garage sale, right? But at the, at the time, money was important. So here's what the Bible teaches. Loving God is the most important. We know that, right? Money's, money's nice. I'm not down on money. But the Bible says that loving God is the most important thing in my life. Luke 16 says, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What do you think that means? Jesus said you can't serve both God and money. Money has the power to take God's place in your life. Money can become your master. It doesn't have to, but it can. So what is the first of the Ten Commandments, if you even stop and think about it? The first one says, you shall have no other God before me, right? Can we just take a minute and just pray into this message before we go any further? Father God, we just ask to hear from you this morning. We want to receive from your word. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So how can you tell if you're a slave to money? How can you tell? Let me throw a couple ideas out and see if you say yes to any of these ideas. Do you worry about money? Do you, do you end up doing what you should do? Do you end up giving up what you should do in order to make more money? Do you spend a lot of your day dreaming about possessions? Or a lot of time taking care of the possessions and the things that you have? Are you most happy after you buy something? <laughs> Is it hard for you to give money away? Those are some questions, but here's my challenge to us this morning. My challenge is how much better is it to have to, to let God be our master and to let God be the Lord. So when God's your master, his servants, it says in scriptures, have peace and security now and in eternity. So if we keep reading in Luke here, it says the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all of these things that Jesus was saying about money. They heard all of these things and they ridiculed him. Now, Jesus said, you can't love God and money. And then he said, some people, they're going to scoff at this. And that's still happening today when the subject is brought up in church. Some people are going to laugh at it and blow it off. And they'll say, this is unimportant to being a follower of Christ. God's way, loving God is the most important in our lives, right? Okay, the next thing that the world says is money gives me power. Now that's a lie. Here's the truth. Money promises power, but it doesn't deliver. All you have to do is watch any behind the scenes documentary or, or e-Hollywood e story. And there's so many stories of famous people that have come into a lot of money, right? And what happens so often in those stories? There's a story of their rise to fame, right? And they're rolling in the money. And what is the story so many times? There's a huge emptiness or there's a void or there's, there's, they, they turn to some kind of addiction to, to fill a need that's not being met. And so, you know, let me, let me um, tell this story. Chelsea Fagan um, is the host and she's the CEO of the Financial Diet television show very popular uh, in the voice in the financial world. And she tweeted earlier this year, this is just um, uh, in the early parts of uh, 2019. She said, being rich is, one of, is among the most empty goals a person can have. Accumulating money for the sake of a number misses the point entirely. Life should be treated as a story that you are writing and money should be the ink that helps you write, not the story itself. Essentially, I think in this country, we put an enormous premium on the accumulation of wealth as an isolated achievement. The list ranking, the, ex, 
you know, wealthiest people, you know, the constant focus on the celebrity's net worth, the obsession with displaying personal wealth on social media, and this creates a perception that the numbers itself, in some way, is a goal. Money, according to Fagan, should be viewed as a way to facilitate a good life that provides things like security, comfort, freedom, options, and occasionally risks, not as a material to be hoarded. This is not only because doing the latter does not make us any happier or improve our lives in any way, but also because a societal focus on wealth hoarding inherently creates a society which is more imbalanced and precarious with wealthy increasingly collecting and stagnating at the very top. Wow. Wow. It's a popular sentiment, though. Money gives me power. And she's saying, no, this is absolutely not true. Money promises power, but it doesn't deliver. And here's what the Bible says in response to that. The Bible says loving money actually makes me powerless. Loving money makes me powerless. Have you heard the statement, money is the root of all evil? How many of you heard that statement before? Okay. How many of you, it's not in the Bible. That statement is not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, what's in the Bible, if you, if you read it, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, what? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So a dollar bill is not evil. If I pull it out of my pocket, it's not going to sinisterly laugh at us. And, right? The Bible says the love of money... For many people, the love of money keeps them living in the world's way instead of God's way. And so Matthew 19, Jesus interacts with the rich young ruler. You remember this? This guy comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus knew what was important to this guy. And he says, go and sell all that you have and give your money to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. And it says, then come and follow me. Now, Scripture says that when the young man heard this, he went away sadly because he had many possessions. So it had made him powerless to change what was truly important in his life. You see that picture there? He had a lot, but he couldn't change what was truly important about his life and in his heart. So he just walked away in sadness, powerless to change anything. So the third one, let's keep on going. The world's way is, is money gives me happiness. And a lot of people believe this. You know, if I have money, I can buy things. If I buy things, those things will make me happy. It's like, you know, that fancy new smartphone that we have. You know, iPhone 11 just was announced this week. It's amazing when you first got it, but it's like it turns into nothing when the next version comes out. You know, the $1,500 version comes out, right? And for some of you, you just got to have it, right? I just got to have it. And, and so when I, when I work security... In Dallas, I worked at some pretty high-dollar um, facilities. Um, some of you have heard the stories. These multi-million-dollar facilities, you know, buildings made out of marble and just, you know, shiny. And um, Lone Star Gas Company was the first one I worked at. And I was and parking in the parking garage every day. I would drive by some very high-dollar cars. I mean, cars that. I will probably never be able to afford to drive. And I would see some people walking in with some very high-end fashion. You know, stuff that you would see on the runway. Very put-together people. But let me tell you, there were so many of these top-end employees who had lives that were just stressed out to the max. Their family lives were a mess. I, I got to know them, you know, as a security guy that was working the shack. 
and they'd come and tell me, tell me these stories. And let me tell you, it was story after story of, you know, how that, that saying, oh, how the mighty had fallen. Man, it just seemed like there was just such a brokenness in so many of their lives. And I saw up close and personal families that were falling apart, divorces that were happening in the bitterness. I mean, hate that was coming between the people who made money the love of their life. And they were chasing and pursuing happiness through money. And it just wasn't coming that way. I saw people who were so wrapped up in the idea of life is all about money and cars and, and, and dress, it seemed like that was all that they think about. And, and so their life was kind of on the, on, the, on the sidelines and falling apart, and they already had more than I'll probably ever see in a lifetime, but it, let me tell you, it wasn't bringing happiness. And so I got to know some of their stories, but it was, it was just, you know, I was a Bible college student at the time, and a lot of these guys knew that. But there were employees coming up to me and asking for the pastor, you know, to pray for them as they were in tears and they were in brokenness. It broke my heart. You know, these sharp dressed men in suits that I can't afford put together, having all these kinds of material possessions, but breaking on the inside. And so the lie is that money gives me happiness. I can tell you just from that perspective in my little corner of that, you know, part of the world Man, it, it's a lie. Money does not bring happiness. Here's what God's, God's way says. Loving money leads to holes in our happiness. Now, let's read the rest of that verse in 1 Timothy 6. It starts off, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And then it says, it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so pierce themselves with many pangs. You, you know what I know to be true about most of us in this room. We come, we come from, in America, we come from money. You may not think you have a lot of money, but believe me, if we were to go down to the poorest of the poor co- counties um, in the United States, Pine, uh, Pine Ridge right down here is one of the poorest counties in the nation. And, and we were to, you know, get, look at the average monthly income that comes in or go, if you, if you want to go overseas, the poorest um, country, um, we, we go to, to where, the, where that is, the, 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 where the average monthly income comes to just $37 a month, $37 a month or a whopping total of $440 annually. What's amazing is that with all the wealth that we have in, in our American culture, Um, We still have some of the highest rates of loneliness, divorce, and some of the other types of unrest that these third world countries don't have. Isn't that interesting? Money doesn't give happiness. It doesn't. Some of you remember back to when America's Funniest um, Videos was a favorite evening show. My family, personally, we watched it uh, like every night. Um, And so I want to show you a little clip I thought of from back in the day. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just imagine um, this, this kid that we're going to see up on the, on the screen, that this kid's pet is your money, okay? Let's watch. How's Harry doing? Yes. Where is it? Let me, let me zoom in on it. I'll put him on the top of the cage. Why don't you put him up and let him play a little bit? Yeah, there we go. Okay. He's a cute little critter. He is a cute little critter. What in the world is that? Michael, what's up, Daddy? How quickly it goes away, right? I know, I'm sorry. Some of you will need counseling after that. But 
It's God's world, and that's the way he designed it, okay? <laughs> um, Christmas Day, the backstory to this, the kid gets this little pet mouse, and they take it outside, and they put it on the cage to play, and a hawk comes along and snags it. For some of you, your prized possession can be quickly snatched away. Here's the next one I want you to write down. Money doesn't give you security. As a matter of fact, loving money makes me insecure, is what scripture tells us. So if we hadn't just finished studying Proverbs, I probably wouldn't have been able to tee this up so beautifully, but look at this proverb. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it'll sprout wings and fly away (laughs) like an eagle. (laughs) Money does not give you security. As a matter of fact, loving money makes you insecure. How many of you know, there's some people in the room who are very wise in dealing with finances and the stock markets, and that's awesome. Some of us need to get wise by walking with the wise, correct? Um, And some of us have stories where you think back and we, of our families putting lots of money in stocks and thinking, you know, I'll retire earlier, you know, with the money that I get, you know, dad says, or we'll get to go on this dream vacation, mom says. And then what happens? Stock market, market flips upside down and the hawk comes and takes it away. Now, insecurity kicks in, tension fills the home, Dad worries more about how hard he's going to have to work to catch up. Dreams of the vacation are shattered because everything is riding on money gives me security. But I'm not going to dwell here because the message today is about giving back to God. I just wanted to paint a picture of the world's way of thinking versus what God says about it. This is about the habit of being generous. And so the Bible teaches that followers of Jesus are to show their obedience to God in the tithe. And so the word tithe, if you're not familiar with it, actually means tenth. And it it goes all the way back to the beginning of time when God asked the Israelites, the followers of God, the tithe, to bring their tithes and offerings to the Lord. So a lot of times in 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 the culture, in the time of the day, it was a tithe of the land. So they would tithe their land and they would give up 10% of it. So we've referred to it now as a tithe of our finances, of what we have. So here's, here's a great question. Why would the creator of the universe who created all things, who created the stars and the oceans and the mountains, why would he need your money? <laughs> Is that an honest question this morning? Why would he need your money? Why What does God need with your money? Here's the deal. He doesn't. He doesn't need your money. (laughs) Can you just all take a breath right there? Okay, he doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And so here's the thing. Many times the two are very connected. And so let's take a look at what the Bible teaches about giving. Everybody okay? We doing okay? Okay. (laughs) I want to show us what the Bible teaches about giving. Giving a tithe back to God. The first thing, giving shows, here's the first thing it shows, that I recognize God first as the rightful owner. Giving shows that I recognize God as the rightful owner. God 
is the rightful. You guys that were, were asking, I was asking the question earlier, you know, about, about the money that's in my wallet. That's the answer I was looking for. I'll take the money, Sean, because it's all God's money anyway. It's all his anyway. And as, an, as a result of that mindset, when I say that, I'll say, I'm going to do with it whatever he wants me to do with it. And so when I die, I'm not going to take my money with me, correct? I'm just the steward. I'm a keeper of God's provision for me while I'm on earth. So it's God's anyway. So when I give back, it shows that I recognize God as the rightful owner. Deuteronomy 8 says, eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given to you. It's saying, I recognize that God, it's yours. So I'm, I'm going to give back to you what's already yours anyways. You see that? Giving shows, the next thing I want you to write down, giving shows that I put God first in my life. That's what worship is. You've probably heard it said that worship is not just singing. We talk about it almost every week when we give. It's a, our giving is a continuation of our worship. You know, we have incredible musicians at Destiny. It's a big part of our DNA, and that's part of what makes us us. But singing worship songs is just one way that we worship. And so right now, some of you, I can see it in your eyes, you know, when you're taking notes on Sunday mornings, you're worshiping by you know, taking in God's word and, and learning and growing through the, the hearing of God's word. And so applying it to our life, that's a way of worship. You know, when, when you pray, that's worship. That's a way to, to give God glory and give him honor. When you give, that's also an act of worship. That's a way to acknowledge who he is. That's what giving is. Giving back to God says, I put you first in my life and then everything. And so for those of you, for those of us in the room that, you know, you, you look at yourself, I'm sold out. Everything of mine is surrendered to God, everything to you. You know this and you live this tithing principle, giving the first tenth in every area of your life, not only just in, in you know, finances. We could talk about money, but this is, this is a principle that applies to every area of our life. So maybe, you know, you're working 40 hours a week at your job. So the person with a God first mentality thinks, well, well, out of that tithe of the 40 hours that I give at my job, I'm going to give four hours a week in meaningful, meaningful service or ministry. I'm going to give four hours, um, you know, to God and to, to his work. I know some families that give 10% of their garden to food banks in town and to, to ministries that give food. They take part of their harvest and what they've grown in their own backyards and they, they give it to the needy. Or what about thinking for every hour that you spend in leisure donating and volunteering for some kind of nonprofit or, 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 or ministry or parachurch ministry or organization that's doing, and doing stuff that supports good in our community, right? It's the idea that all of my life is yours, God, and so I'm going to give a tithe of everything to you first. You're first in everything. And so well, let's go back to money. If you're hearing this and your first thought that you have is, well, I can't tithe because... I can't give the first 10% of, you know, of what comes in on my paycheck because I have a car payment or I have to pay for my own stuff. And, you know, then that's, that's barely happening right now, Pastor Sean. So there's, there's a bigger picture that you're not seeing here. Let's have a conversation, right? So I get that. I, I really, really do. I get that. But when I hear that, it, it breaks my heart. And here's why. Here's why. It's not that, listen, 
It's not that Destiny Foursquare is going to come crashing down to the ground if you don't give your tithe. Now, we operate on a tithing budget. We, we operate on the, on the giving based on what the faithful give. But ultimately, somebody hear this, God is our provider, right? God is our provider, just like he's yours, just like he is yours. And so we know that it's in his hands. So I'm not preaching a message this morning because, you know, destiny is falling down in flames. That's not what this is about. The real concern that I have and the real reason that I'm getting up here and talking about this morning is that you're missing out on what God does in your life when you tithe. If you're not doing this, please hear this. It's not, you know, if you tithe, then we might be able to keep the electricity on. That's not what this is about. It's about what God does in you when you tithe. This is an act of obedience, right? And so I would say it like this. You can't afford not to tithe. There are so many testimonies of those that have started to give, and all of a sudden there's like, where is, where is the blessing coming from? It's like I'm getting even more. There's so many testimonies. God, God is the one who likes to bless us, right? And so let's go. You know, when I was, when I was a young student in youth group, my youth pastor called out some things in me, and, and um, you know, he said, you know, Sean, I know you have a heart for ministry. I see, the, I see the things. I've watched your life. I think this could be a lifelong thing for you. I want to ask you one question. He asked me the question, do you tithe? And I was a student. I was a teenager, you know, at the time, and, and I, I thought about it, and I, I, I'd always seen my, my parents tithe, and um, I'd see offering, you know, envelopes go around on, on Sunday morning, but, you know, I didn't really get it at the time. And so I didn't make that much money doing paper routes, you know, so I thought to myself, you know, what does it matter? And so she said to me, I, I, she said something to me that really stuck with me and stayed with me over the years. And she said this, I really believe that you can't be a true follower of Jesus and just obey some of God's commandments. If you want to walk in the fullness of all that God has for you, she said, put God to the test. Put God to the test and see what happens in your life if you get back to him. So she explained to me what tithing was, that tithing was a tenth and a tenth of my allowance, you know, a tenth of everything that I got from my paper route, a tenth of anything that I received, whatever it was. And so that was, you know, a lot of money to me at the time, whatever the tenth of what I was making on the paper route. And so I was in my teens when I started this habit. And I started giving and I saw my parents model it their whole lives. 25 years later, you know, I'm still walking in this habit. And you know what's happened in my life? As, as Deanna and I have made this a habit, a spiritual habit in my life, I've never had a lot of money. I'll say that. Maybe that's because I've always had a lot of kids. <laughs> but <laughs> we've moved several times. Um, God's provided with us with a job every step along the way, even though there was that three-month period in Denver that was a little sketch for a while, and that stretched my faith. We were, I mean, the, Deanna just recently told this story um, when she was uh, sharing in the Proverbs series. And um, th- there was, we, we didn't have money to pay rent. We didn't have money for food. We didn't have money. <laughs> and there was a lady that came up to us in the church who we really, we barely knew. Um, she was um, a part of our church family. She came out and she wrote us a check for several thousand dollars. And um, I opened up that check and I was speechless. We didn't know what to say. But it was enough to cover our expenses. And we've, we've never gone without our needs being met. And I can see God's provision in our lives because I believe we've been faithful to tithe and we've been faithful to give. So I'd love to challenge you the same way. 
I'd love to challenge you the same way. Put God to the test. And some of you say, hold up. I thought we weren't supposed to test God. I thought we weren't supposed to do that. Fair enough. But this is an exception and it's from scripture. As a matter of fact, God is the one that said, test me in this. So this is from Heavenly Father, not me this morning. Malachi 3, many of you know this. Verses 8 and 10, it says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. This is when he's saying to the nation, bring the tithe, part of your land into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And, there, and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You see that? Put God to the test in this. Your giving shows that, number one, God is the rightful owner, first of all, and it shows that you put God first. And then, when you do that, the last one, giving shows that I trust God to provide. That he's my provider. It's his anyways. And you say, God, I know you're going to provide. Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. You know what that uh, first fruit part means? It means the first part. (laughs) The best part, some translations say. It means that when I tithe, when I do this, it's not that I pay all my bills first and then I, you know, kind of get what I want with the money that's left. And then what's left... I'll say, okay, what God, whatever is left that I'm going to give to you. It's give him the best part. Give him the first tenth. The first fruits is what the word says there. That's what a tithe is. It's as soon as I get my check. I, I made it a habit when I was really young. My, my mother taught me this. You know, just write the check. Put it away. Get it out of, the, out of sight, out of mind. Give it to God. Make it a habit. And here's what happens when you give. So let let me end this morning by giving us some action steps. My goal is not, again, that you would give to Destiny and, you know, Destiny would be able to get nicer stuff. That's not the goal this morning. (laughs) Or that we'd be able to give more money back to our community because that's what we do with the money that that God gives us. You know, we we invest in our community and in our ministry here. um, But we serve and love our city by extension the world. We build this church. But my goal today... I'm not talking about destiny. I'm talking about the change that happens in our hearts, okay? I'm talking about personal habits this morning. And so that's what this message is about, developing a habit that will change your life, okay? Okay, so when you give, here's what happens. Number one, inspect your heart. Give cheerfully. Give with the right heart. Give with the right heart. 2 Corinthians 9 says each... Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, some of you might want to circle that word cheerful. (laughs) When you give your tithes, or even above and beyond, which is called an offering, you ought to do a little dance in your heart. Can somebody get with me on that? Because, you know, like, yes, God, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it because it belongs to you. And it's another way for me to worship you and show you that I love you. And I know that you're going to provide for me. So I give it with a cheerful heart. You give cheerfully. I hope you never feel pressured 
to give at Destiny. That's not the heart, because if you feel pressured to give and you give because somebody's looking at you, that's not the right motive. That's not, the, that's not where it's at. Again, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. It's an act of obedience to him, not to the other people in this room. And so Jesus said, when he was talking to some religious leaders, he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, he called them. And he basically says, you give a tenth, but you neglect the more important matters. Remember what the most important thing is, loving God, right? Justice, mercy, love, faithfulness, get those right first. And then you give, he said, but you give the way you give your hypocrites. In the history of the church, there's been a lot of goofiness about giving and tithing and money. In the 17th century, there were pastors that were killed because they were forcing their congregations to give. Now, it was like a taxation. And so the people revolted and the parishioners rose up and they stoned the pastors. (laughs) So, you know, those guys misunderstood grievously what they got the whole thing backwards when you give it's about your heart and so jesus said this in mark 12 he said he said he sat down opposite of the treasure and he's watching the people they're putting their money into the offering box so many it says ready many rich people were putting in large sums so it'd be like our planners here up on the stage so he's sitting over here and he's watching you know people put money in just imagine him sitting there okay that's the scene he's watching And it says, many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So when you give... Give with the right attitude. It's not about an amount. It's about the heart. It's about what God tells you to give, right? It's your money anyway. I'm going to do with it, God, what you would have me to do. The second thing I would have you write down is reject recognition. We don't give to be noticed. We don't give, you know, to to have our name on a plaque, you know, um, for other people to see what we're doing. It's, It's not between, again, you and other people. It's between you and God. So we have our giving time here on Sundays. You know, we're not trying to highlight anybody's giving. It's all about us giving. It's all about the family giving, the community of believers giving as we continue our worship, right? And so the focus is, is on God, not on the individual givers. And there are also several people that, that are just set up through Tidely and they just give automatically a certain percentage. They know how much is gonna come in and they give that way. And they've got a set salary and so they just let it go. There's some of you, you know, that... Um, that uh, give through the Tithely app. There's some of you that, that uh, mail in checks that we receive at the office. And so, you know, there, there's some that will come up to, I've seen it happen where, where a pastor will preach a message on giving and, and, you know, somebody will come up to the pastor afterwards and say, here's my tithe check. It's like they, they want a, a good boy pat or something. And they want the recognition. They want somebody to go, that's a boy, good boy, good boy, good boy, good tithe. You know, and that's not what it's about. And so I've heard some people that will put little, um, you know, similar to the house project that we've been doing this month, they'll put a little piggy bank in their house and every time that a check comes in or their, their allowance comes in or, you know, their, what, their, their job, their salary comes in, they'll put their tithe into the piggy bank and they'll use that as a reminder to give the first fruits to God. You know, whatever it is, and it's an act of worship and they call it a bank of blessings. 
You know, they just keep it by there to remind them that the first of everything that I give, it's always to God. It's a visual reminder of a commitment that you make in your heart. You know, you get some allowance when you're a kid. You put some money in. It's a great thing to teach your kids, you know, right when they're, when they're young, to give the first of everything to God. And so the last thing I want you to write down, expect God's blessing. Expect it because it's coming your way. Now, do we give because of this expectation? Do we give to get blessed? No. That's not, that's not the reason. But Luke 6 says it this way. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. That's a promise. That's a promise. Have you ever had a non-believing friend challenge you on your faith? You know, your picnic gets rained out and you say, why, why didn't you pray to God, you know, about the rain? <laughs> why, didn't you, why didn't you ask God, you know, to not make it rain? So the thing is, you know, I could pray for no rain. And, and, but God doesn't promise to do that. You know, he doesn't, he, God will answer our prayers, but there's some things that he'll promise he'll do. And this is a promise. He, he doesn't ever promise in scripture that he's going to change the weather for us. That doesn't mean that he won't. Uh, and that doesn't mean that we don't pray. But there are some things that God does promise. And he says, if you give, it will be given to you. That's a promise of God. If you give with the right heart and the right recognition and expect God's blessing, your gift will be returned to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together. Some of you know that by heart, right? To make room for more. Running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. If you give a little, you'll get a little blessing back. If you give a lot, you get a lot of blessing back. That's what the, the, the measurement thing is saying. So you, you can't outgive God. Is the lesson there. You can't outgive them. And again, it's not about building up stacks at Destiny Foursquare Church. It's just not. It's not. It's about building your heart. It's about building your heart. Put God to the test. This isn't a prosperity gospel. Here's the way I've always said it. It's not about God giving money to you. It's about God getting money through you. Pick up this habit, and I believe it'll change your life. And the more blessed you are, the more God proves his faithfulness, and the more your heart is going to be bent towards giving. The generous heart changes the world. Amen? Let's stand. Money in our culture, we're, we're, we're in a culture that's addicted to consumerism. We love our stuff, Right? So here's the thing I want us to consider this morning. Would you consider how our lifestyles might look if our money choices were fueled daily by the power of Holy Spirit? Listen, tithing is not the goal of the Christian life. It's not. But it does offer a way to help us to remember that God is the source of everything. And it's something that he's asked us to do. Tithing is a spiritual habit that we build into our life to connect all of us with the creator of life and God himself. It reminds us that everything is his anyways. It, it, it gives us to weigh a reminder to worship the giver of all, the most generous being ever, the one who gave all. And I realize that this is a deep message. And uh, some of us may not be ready, but I pray for those of us that are in the room that you will be blessed.
as the scripture says, that you will be blessed beyond your wildest dreams as you test God in this. As you test God in this. May we be different because we're here today, challenged by the word of God. And may in every area of our life, we give a tithe and beyond to the giver and the creator of all things. All good things come from him. Amen. All good things come from him. So I want to mention one more thing before we close. We have an author and a friend in the house by the name of Bill Boylan. And um, he's, he's written a, a book on this very subject titled Life Giving. And so I want to recommend it to you this morning if you want to dig deeper. Um, I just helped Bill with a, a, his new author website. You can find it at billsbooks.org. Um, where you can find Bill, wherever he's at this morning. Where you at, buddy? He's in the back section back there, the, the white stripes and black stripes. Find him, and um, uh, there's. let me just read the back to you. It says, as stated in the introduction, this book is about giving some of God's money back to him. That's it. That's what this book is about, period. So if you're not interested in giving money to God or even learning about it, reading this book would be a waste of your time. <laughs> If you don't want to learn about giving money to God, don't purchase this book. There you go. Very honest, very upfront. Or please return it to the person that lent it to you. Honestly, that's all this book is about, giving to God, including why, how, when, and how much. It's designed to be used as a workbook, helping you plan regular and consistent giving so he can ensure you'll always have enough. If you want to be successful and prosperous, then this book will give you clear directions. So I wanted to highlight this morning, how many of you love Bill? He's such a gift to our body. And so I wanted to highlight that. I, as as the, the one who just did his website, I read so many um, amazing comments about that book, so I wanted to highlight it this morning. Um, so if you want to dig deeper, there's another way. Um, so Father God, I know this is a touchy subject, Father. I just pray that um, your house, Lord, would be obedient to what you ask us to do. This isn't about, this really isn't about the greens, God. It's not about the Benjamins. Um, it's about um, you having our hearts. And God, so we just bend our hearts to you this morning, God, and we just say, Lord, we want to give you everything, the first fruits of every part of our life. Be generous like you're generous, God. We want to be more like you. We want to be more like you. So God, um, move in our hearts today, not for an offering, not for anything like that. Move in our hearts today. Lord, change our lives in a way that will make us um, have the generosity of the creator of the universe. God, you gave so much to us. God, I pray that we would not be a selfish people, Lord, that we would be the ones that would be generous and loving and kind to those that have come across our path. God, we thank you for your purposes and your plans. Thank you for blessing this house. God, that um, we have a, a house of givers and we're so thankful for that. Um, so today, I just want to say maybe the good way to close this message is to say thank you for your generous heart. Thank you for the way that you gave your life, you gave your son, you gave everything first to us. You didn't give 10%, you gave 100. We just thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your rescue. So if you're here this morning and you haven't uh, said yes to Jesus, I want to invite you in. There's an invitation on the table this morning to walk with Jesus who has given 100% this morning. 
And uh, he's a faithful friend yesterday, today, and forever. And I just believe, Holy Spirit, you're here and he's speaking to you this morning. And if that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus or resurrender your life to Jesus this morning. With nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand high in the air? We want to pray and agree with you this morning. Is there anybody in the house? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Father God, we give you all of us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Let us be ones that are sent this morning in your holy, righteous name. Amen and amen.